Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's that time, Gordon. Uh, it's time to talk a little NBA basketball with Chris Mannix. Austin? It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Cold weather is here. Is your home's heating system ready? Lee's Heating and Air is now offering their winter furnace checkup for only $59. Call Lee's Heating and Air today, 801-747-LEES, or online at leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Get a Samsung S10 for $0. When you activate a new line of service with a flex lease now through December 26th, visit a Sprint store nearest you from Sports Illustrated. Our good friend Chris Mannix. Hi, Chris. What's going on, guys? Hey, we're uh, we're just in kind of a little bit of a lull. It's going to be three days without Utah Jazz basketball. They're going to be back at it tomorrow night against Orlando. And we're hoping, Chris, he's listed as probable to see Mike Conley back into the lineup. Uh, talk about, um, I guess, uh, the advantages of having a few days off, getting a little practice when maybe working a player like that back in. Yeah, I mean, look, it. it I don't think it hurts. Um especially this time of year, especially if you've been uneven in the way the Jazz have. Um, I'm not clear how much Mike's been able to do in the last couple of days. I know he's been a little banged up, but, you know, having a little bit extra practice time and, you know, kind of time to to, to sort of just, you know, figure things out, I don't think it's a bad thing. So, you know, hopefully it'll be the start of, of a strong stretch for Utah. I mean, they've certainly got plenty of issues that are still lingering and, Incorporating Mike Conley at the highest level has got to be at the top of the priority list. But you know, we've there's a bunch of weird quirks like this in the schedule. Boston's going through one right now. I've seen a few teams do it, but uh, you know, maybe they have a chance to take advantage this time off. Chris, we ask you this all the time, various updates uh, on the Jazz's progress, but they're 15 and 11. It's not like this team is what uh, you know, 17 and 29 or something. I mean, it, based on I, I think most of us around here, as we watch this team play, we think that there might be some issues that are more ticklish than others, but a lot of them can be solved. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of them can be solved, and uh, I think a lot of the areas where the Jazz can improve, you know, comes from internal growth. And, I mean, Mike Conley, as we said, is at the top of that list, but you know, you you got to get somebody from that bench to step up and and make plays. Somebody outside of of Joe Ingles to be a scorer. I think that's got to be a priority. And you know, for Quinn Snyder, finding that help from within, I think it's going to be paramount to Utah's success. I mean, we're kind of officially into trade season right now, but. You know, when when you look up and down that Jazz roster, you you don't see a lot of of, of pieces to move. I mean, the draft picks are are what they are, tied up because of you know the Conley deal in the off season, and um, you know outside of maybe Dante Exum, I'm not really sure who the Jazz have that could be appealing to the teams across the league. So, you know, at, at this stage, it's got to be all about internal improvement and and finding ways to to you know get that bench going and get Mike Conley into that mix. 
Chris, TV ratings have been down significantly. Uh, TNT games down 21% compared to last year. ESPN is down 19 And ratings last year, if we remember, were down from the previous year. Do you want to weigh in with any theories on what's going on? Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that the TV ratings plummeted when LeBron James went west. I mean, you know, the, the Eastern Conference, even though there's more parity in terms of, of top-tier teams matching what the teams in the West are doing, there's just not a lot of TV sizzle you know, amongst these top teams. I mean, Giannis is a great player, but I don't think he's risen to the level of must-see TV with, uh, with Milwaukee. I mean, same thing with Philadelphia, not exactly the most television-friendly team. Boston's kind of fun, but there's nobody on that roster yet that makes you run towards the TV to watch one of their matchups. I mean, LeBron was that guy for you know what, 12, 14 years, whatever it was during his Eastern Conference run with Cleveland, Miami, and back with Cleveland. I mean, he was a ratings driver uh, for the NBA. Now he's thinking about West. Fewer people are on the East Coast are watching those games, and I think that plays into it. Um, I, I do think there are probably deeper issues. I mean, Adam Silver has kind of sounded the alarm himself, and when Silver does that, that tells me that, uh, that there are strong feelings about this in the league office. Um, I think in the future you're going to see the NBA go deeper into digital packages to try to break things up a little bit and, and attract a, a wider, younger audience. But for now, I think the short-term issue is that you know that there's no LeBron in the East, and and because of that, those kind of compelling matchups you saw at, at seven o'clock Eastern or eight o'clock Eastern, whatever it might be aren't quite as compelling for the uh, kind of casual viewer. So, Chris, you think that uh, really uh, that those matchups are the key to it? Because if you had told me five years ago that that LeBron would somehow be more attractive in Cleveland than he is with a glorious kind of uh, uh, legacy program or, or team like the Lakers, I, I would be surprised by that. Well, I, I think LeBron transcends market. I mean, he's almost like an Aaron Rodgers in football or Peyton Manning in Indy, you know, one of these guys that drives ratings for the NFL that, you know, plays in a smaller market. For LeBron, it doesn't really matter where he's playing. And people just want to see him play. And his teams, you know, far more often than not are good to great. So, um, you know, seeing him involved in big-time matchups is is compelling no matter where he is. I just think it all comes down to – to the time zone. Now, it would probably be a little bit better if, say, Kevin Durant was playing for Brooklyn. You know, if you had one of those kind of television magnets, you know, playing on an East Coast team. But for right now, there just isn't any. There's, you know, Miami's sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference standings. And, I mean, you know, Jimmy Butler doesn't drive ratings. And Kendrick Nunn doesn't driving ratings. And, and Bam Adebayo's not driving ratings. So you just, you just don't have those guys that, that draw. Now, basketball, I think, is a little bit deeper in terms of, of how they appeal to an audience with football. I mean, we all know in football, quarterbacks drive television ratings, but you got to have stars to, to draw an audience in the NBA. And, and right now, the Eastern Conference doesn't have enough of those marquee stars. Chris Mannix with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Chris, um, yesterday, I believe it was, um, players who signed contracts in the offseason are now eligible to be traded, and I know we're a a long way away from trade deadline, but are we starting to figure out who might be buyers and sellers this year? You know, not yet, because I think there's there's a lot of teams that think they're buyers right now, and they're going to give it another month, maybe into early February, before they really decide, you know, which way they're going to go. I mean, the NBA is open this year. I mean, the Lakers are steamrolling through the West right now, the Bucks in the East, but both those teams are flawed. I mean, 
you know, the Lakers have surprised everybody with how good they've been, uh, not the least of which is me, but, you know, that's a team that you, know, you could see their shooting go south at any point or an injury to LeBron or Anthony Davis who have been banged up already this season, you know, could cause them to, to fall. And same thing with Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee is probably not as good this year as they were last year because of the Malcolm Brogdon uh, defection. So I think teams out there, even the ones sitting in the middle of the pack in that kind of Utah range right now, uh, they, they still believe they've got a shot. Uh, there's no Golden State. There's no super team out there. So I, I think teams are, are still looking at themselves as buyers uh, until we get deeper into the season. So that's a long way of saying I don't think there's been – I don't think there's any certainty with, with who's going to be what at this point. Chris, I don't know if you have any updates on David Stern, but I'm curious on with his brain hemorrhage, but I'm curious to know your thoughts about him and the effect he's had on the league. Yeah, I, I don't have any specific updates. Um, I check in all the time with people in the league, and um, either people don't know or they're being very tight-lipped about it at this point. Um, I mean, his impact in the league is immeasurable. I mean, he's yeah, he he grew the league in ways that 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 no commissioner before him has done. You know, in expanding deeper into into Europe, into China, right off the bat. I mean, he, he is maybe one of the most, maybe the single most influential person in NBA history. Um, I, I don't know that that's overstating it. Certainly the players are incredibly influential when you look at what Michael and Magic and Bird meant to the league in the 80s and 90s. But in terms of the league office, I don't know if anybody else could have had or has had that type of impact. Everything that Adam Silver is doing is kind of piggybacking on what David Stern did. And you know, he certainly made some mistakes along the way, no question about it. Um, but you know, this league grew from you know what was it in the 1970s when they were tape delayed on TV into – you know, one of the most powerful television enterprises out there now. So, and that and that is is one of David Stern's lasting legacies. Chris Mandix from Sports Illustrated with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. There's no doubt that James Harden uh, has been terrific. His his numbers certainly speak for themselves and and what he's doing. Uh, but do we know if the Russell Westbrook Harden thing is working yet, uh, or has Harden just kind of eclipsed all of that with the way he's played? Yeah, I mean, I think that the latter is probably true. I don't think anyone knows if this Houston mix is going to work. I mean, the the Westbrook-Harden pairing has been up and down, probably more down than up this season, but Harden's been able to kind of shoot his way through it and and still carry this team to, excuse me, a significant number of wins. You know, they're, they're a team to watch in Houston. I mean, they've been trying to, to get better. They're like, you know, one of, you know, probably a dozen teams trying to get their hands right now. On Andre Iguodala, uh, they believe he could help them, but they don't have a lot of assets to, to move outside of the, you know maybe one first round pick in the next couple of years that they can deal. And you know they, they're a team that if things go sideways on them, you know in the month of January, you could see them decide to be sellers. You could see Clint Capella wind up on the move at some point to, to some team before the uh, the trade deadline. They're they're certainly a volatile team, and you know you look at the fact that Mike D'Antoni doesn't have a contract extension in the last year of his contract. Everything going on with Daryl Morey, new ownership, uh, you certainly could see you know the the plug pulled in this whole thing in, in Houston and and then become sellers before the deadline. Chris, are you a believer in the Mavericks, and uh, how do you think they'll get by without Doncic with that ankle? Yeah, you know, it, it's going to be hard to survive at any kind of of high level without Luca. I mean, he was the engine that drove them you know everywhere. I mean, he's been so good all season long. For that team with him, I've I, I become a buyer. I've become a believer in, in that team that that they could make a run as a top four seed in the Western Conference. I mean, Porzingis, you have to believe is only going to get better as the season goes on as he keeps recovering 
and keeps getting his legs back from that uh, knee injury that cost him all of last season. They've got some nice pieces kind of around them, you know, guys that can make shots, and that Porzingis Don, uh, Don pick and roll is downright dangerous. But if he's really out for a couple of weeks, uh, yeah, it, it won't be crushing certainly on their uh, their high playoff hopes, but. It certainly is going to push them back towards the middle of the pack. So I think it all depends on when Doncic comes back and how healthy he is when he comes back. Because, you know, when he's healthy and he's right, I mean, they are they're as good a team as any in the top four in the West. Chris, when the Jazz uh, allowed Derek Favors uh, to, to, to leave, uh, do you think that they lost some physicality with him? How important is it for a team like the Jazz uh, to be physical, to be tough. Let me say it that way. Uh, not just in stature, because they're not as big as they were, but in kind of a a nasty attitude. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty important. And, you know, more than the, the physicality lost with favors, the chemistry was lost there, too. I mean, look, he had been mixed around there as a starting five, you know, as a power forward. Um, and I think we all kind of looked at 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 the decision to move off him as probably the right one, given the way the league was trending with more of a small ball uh, lineup. And maybe will turn out to be, I mean, still only a quarter of the way through the season, but you know, they definitely lost something. And, and that, that physical presence alongside Rudy Gobert was, was part of their identity the last few seasons. You know, favors was limited in, in ways offensively, but defensively rebounding toughness. Those are all attributes that they haven't really been able to replace uh, in that lineup. And again, it, it could turn out to be the right thing to do and probably will be because of the way this league has been trending. But, you know, that's certainly something that they've been lacking, you know, in the games that I've watched in the seat team all season long. Chris, thank you very much as always. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What do you think about that uh, whole notion of of toughness, Jake, and the role it plays with the Jazz? Because, I mean, well, we have to look at it for what it is. Without favors there, uh, teams couldn't push them around. I'll say it that way. Uh, and now it seems like at times the Jazz do get shoved around a little bit. They do. It, it's it's happened more than we're used to. Um, I, I go back to Booner on the broadcast the other day, called them a country club team. And <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, not good. No, that's that's not good. The, the game that stands out really heavily in my mind is that game against Indiana on the road trip, a game they probably should have won, but they got totally pushed around by a tougher team certainly that night. And you you do lose some of that toughness certainly without uh, without Derek Favors. I thought Ricky Rubio was a fairly tough player, um, and they're going to have to figure out where to get some of that from. Uh, I, I think Rudy is candidate number one, and he plays plenty tough, but he's got to I think set the tone. Got a couple other players. I mean, Joe Ingles is a pretty tough player. Royce O'Neal is a pretty tough player, but yeah, they got to bring more of that consistently. I would agree. And to me, it's I, I can see it on the floor when a ball goes up, and the Jazz or 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 when a screen is set or something, you see times where the Jazz are not able to fight through, and some of that is physical. But uh, I I think some of it's attitude, and I wonder if that can be developed. Locke has talked a lot about um, playing hard. That this is, you know, that this isn't necessarily like a lot of the Jazz success in the past has been because they play harder than the other team, yeah. right? The uh-huh. effort level. This team's a little bit more on the finesse side of things, where it's not necessarily about. There's more talent there. It's not all about playing harder than the other guy. But, but maybe there's usefulness in recapturing that. Oh, I I 100% agree. But it's it's not as easily in the DNA of this team as it has been in the past. 
Do you think it can be talked about and improved upon by guys setting their jaw and going out ready to fight? I think it's more complicated than that, but in a sense, yes, I think that's possible. I wonder how Quinn can develop that in his guys. Is he going to get up in their face and tell them they have to be tougher? <laughs> that's probably part of it. Probably showing a bunch of film, you know? Huh. Maybe the film study can solve some of the issues on the court as far as positioning for rebounds and things like that. Uh, but I, but I, 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 I think that maybe it's time for Quinn, and maybe he has done this already, just to, to, to get after him and try and toughen him up. You know, I, I think that would help them because there have been too many times, Jake, when I've seen, say, a ball, a shot go up, and the ball essentially bounces on the court, and there's no jazz player anywhere near the ball. Well, wait a minute. Shouldn't somebody be flying in there for that ball? Shouldn't somebody be pushing and shoving and doing everything possible to get to it? Or in a long 82-game regular season in the NBA, is that too much to ask? Well, let's let's ask David about it when he joins us this week because he's made some interesting points on that front. Want to remind you to call Action Plumbing and get your preseason furnace tune-up and safety check for thirty-three bucks. Call eight zero one eight three three thirty three thirty three or go to actionplumbing.net. We'll have more for you straight ahead. DJ and PK had an interesting conversation this morning. We'll uh, get into that a little bit coming up next. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty of the zone. This is DJ and PK. <laughs> you know you want to do it. I do. We all do. Go ahead. <laughs> See, you feel yeah. better. 3552. <laughs> I'm in my car with my son. He just mimicked you, PK, and we feel better. By the way, the son is three years old. My two-year-old daughter won't stop saying. <laughs> this has gone on way more than I ever anticipated, I have to admit. And a two-year-old and a three-year-old. Who says we don't appeal to the younger demographic? <laughs> That's the line of the day. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Here at Shamrock Plumbing, we've done some pretty off-the-wall bits on the radio. We've made our commercials sort of lighthearted and fun. But today, we'll be doing none of that. Because, well, you've caught us at a rare serious moment. So in the most poker face voice we can muster, we'd like to say that Shamrock Plumbing does water heat. 